Hello, friends. This episode is sponsored by Endow. 20 years ago, three women encountered the writings of Pope John Paul II on the new feminism for the first time. They quickly realized the impact of these life-changing truths and wanted all women to learn them. These three women founded Endow, which seeks to educate women toward a more profound understanding of their God-given dignity through study in small group communities of faith and friendship. John Paul II once said, Woman has a genius all her own, which is vitally essential to both society and the church. The church needs you to be empowered to cultivate the feminine genius in every aspect of life and society. There are women just like you, looking for friendship and who are looking to learn from the intellectual tradition of the church. Be transformed by studying John Paul II's On the Dignity and Vocation of Women in an 8, 10, or 12-week endow group. Start or join a group with other women to ponder the anthropology of man and woman, God's intention for their relationship, woman's vocation to motherhood, and the church as the bride of Christ. Visit endowgroups.org for more resources on how to join or start your own endow group. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, hello, dear friends, and welcome to season 12 of the Abiding Together podcast. We are so excited to be back with you for another season. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. And we have people from all over the world on this walk together, and you are most, most welcome. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I'm joined by two of my very dearest friends, Michelle Benzinger and Heather Kim, and we speak about what the Lord is doing in our life, the movements of the Holy Spirit, what is breaking our hearts, what is healing us, and where the Lord is leading us to deeper relationship with Him. So wherever you find yourself today, wherever that is, you are most welcome. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast in week two of our summer series, which we're living on the edge doing a summer series of Christi Fidelis Laici, which is available on the Vatican website. Uh, You can download it. You can use the online version. You can order a hard copy of it. And we're just kind of spending some time together walking through this exhortation of John Paul II to the lay members of Christ faithful people. But you know what I realized, my dear friends, as we dove in last week, I was so zealous on diving. I didn't even ask y'all how you are. So, I mean, like we just totally (laughs) didn't even, we're like, we're not, we're not even chit-chatting. We will have none of that. Who cares? Let's just get to it. And I I do want to say though, I I listen to a lot of podcasts and I I have to say that our chit-chat is really down to a a minimum of what some other podcast, I mean, sometimes you got to wait around Mm -hmm. like 10 minutes to get to some content. So Mm You got 30 seconds. How are, how are you, how are you doing, 1. Heather? 1.5 <laughs> speed forever. <laughs> I'm doing good. Yeah, there's been so many changes around here. It's just that time of life where kids are flying the coop and, you know, there's all kinds of changes occurring. So it's been exciting. That's mm-hmm. for sure. And uh, mm-hmm. we've had some adventures this summer, but doing good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love the summertime, especially here. It's so rainy where we live most of the year. You know that, sister, growing, being in the Northwest for so long. Yeah. So when the summer comes, everyone is just like, yeah. And we just, yeah, spend every waking moment outside. So mm-hmm. it's awesome. Okay. So, guys, this is how my summer is going. We had this amazing raft float in our pool that was a unicorn and we called it Carl and Sister Miriam was obsessed every time she'd come to visit with Carl. Carl. Yes she Carl's does. Her beautiful. and Lily, our youngest daughter, just really love Carl. Well Carl died again yesterday. He got popped again. He's been popped two or three times. We've had a couple of Carls. I think we're on volume three and so we just oh, decided to retire Carl. 3.0. Carl 3.0 okay. and we got a different float for our pool. One that you just lay on. No riding unicorns in our pool anymore. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, maybe there, you need to post a sign on your pool that says, do not bite Carl. Like, don't bite the floats. Like, I don't know, but I, 
I mean, I didn't do that. I'm just saying, like, if you have guests that do bite the floats, like... Just other people. Yeah. Just other people. Sometimes people don't know. And then they're like, oh, I'm not supposed to bite the floats. Well, you know, just things happen. Just things happen. So here we go. This is what summer is for us, people. Here we go. Let's go to the apostolic exhortation. Here we go. 50% of people have turned off this episode already. They're like, and y'all are crazy. Okay. (laughs) We are going to talk about part two of the apostolic exhortation. And this particular part is titled, All Branches of a Single Vine, the Participation of the Lay Faithful in the Life of the Church as Communion. And this is very, I found the I found the passage about the parish to be very interesting about what a parish is and the particular churches in the United States. But maybe Heather, as we dive into here, so that starts with number 18, the mystery of church communion and Vatican II and ecclesiology of communion. What did you find particularly helpful for our listeners as you dove into this? I was just struck again initially by God's heart for unity in union mm. within the church. And I know that wasn't all the specifics of what, what they were talking about here, but I think all of us experience the pain of disunity, you know, mm-hmm. e- even within the Catholic church where there's different people with different preferences, which then turns into taking sides and then turns into we're holier than you. And it just escalates yeah. so quickly into all kinds of things. And I was thinking, you know, God's heart is for communion, for, for full, full unity amongst us. And so I was just, instantly reflecting on places in my own heart saying like, where is there divisive thinking even, Mm -hmm. or where is there pain that has caused me to, to put someone or, you know, people in the church or even leadership sometimes at an arm's length. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just sort of recalling, you know, Jesus's prayer that they would all be one. And, and if our hearts aren't in union with him in that, then we will experience all kinds of division amongst each other. So that, that was so, just some of my initial thoughts, which struck me about this, this part. How about you, Michelle? Mm-hmm. For me, I love the whole part, how they outline, how he outlined this. I love the part of the communion and the Konania communion. Am I saying that right, sister? Close enough. Mm-hmm. Close enough. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. And I love the part of the organic communion part, like the, like that community is organic, that it happens naturally, that we grow naturally like it's not artificial like something has to be authentic and it's not artificial and I, th- I found the part about the parish and the role of the parish just very convicting like you were saying Heather like what is my investment in my local parish because I really believe like the local church is the hero of the church mm-hmm. I think that is where it happens and we've come become a culture and this has me really thinking we've become a culture where people used to learn culture like in the town square in the town things do you like before Christendom fell as they like to say, you know, we celebrate a feast days in the town square, like you would pick it up almost osmosis. Like this mm-hmm. is how you live, like a cultural. And like we're down, I'm down in the South. If you go up up North, like in New York, like you still can find some of that cultural Catholic or Louisiana is really beautiful about it also. But so you pick it up in the culture. Well, we don't have that anymore. So how do we restore that? Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Once again, it, it means, like he said in the first chapter, it means coming out, you know, go out into the vineyard. We can't stay up in our little holy huddles. So, mm-hmm. which is convicting for all of us, I think, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I appreciate the the title of the very first section, The Mystery of Church Communion. And right in number 18, what you both are talking about, it says, the communion of Christians with Jesus has the communion of God as Trinity, namely the unity of the Son to the Father in the gift of the Holy Spirit as its model and source and is itself the means to achieve this communion. United to the Son in the Spirit's bond of love, Christians are united to the Father. So I appreciate how the church, you know, John Paul II is 
reminding us that our beginnings don't start with ourselves or our own kind of definition of whatever we think communion is, but it's actually comes from the Trinity of the source through which we know that theologically everything flows. And so it talks, it goes on about communion and it says to continue on much was done by the second Vatican council to bring about a clear understanding of the church as communion and its concrete application to life. What then does this complex communion mean? Its fundamental meaning speaks of the union with God brought about by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. The opportunity for such communion is present in the Word of God and in the sacraments. Baptism is the door and the foundation of communion in the church. And it talks about the Eucharist. So I, I like that the church is not trying to shy away from this or kind of give it a nebulous form, but it's actually defining it and then explaining to us how we live from that source, which is God. And then it flows outward from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in many ways we like the idea of diversity in some ways, but we mm-hmm. don't know. How, it's like diversity and disunity is usually what, mm-hmm. what goes hand in hand instead of diversity and communion. And that's just a great reflection, I think, for all of us to press into, am, am I allowing the gifts of other people and even the, the preferences of other people and how they are called to bring their own unique gifts to the church to be seen through the lens of complementarity instead mm-hmm. of something that's divisive or to be judged in one another. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just a common thing that we can struggle with. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it like, okay, building upon this whole past season in the podcast, like we were talking about in the first episode with Dr. Bob's book on the power of the sacraments. Okay, right now in the church, we are calling for a Eucharistic revival. So like that is the truest communion. Mm -hmm. So like, what does it look like for each of us to have a personal revival with Eucharist, then therefore to be able to have communion with others to have this really true communion. Mm -hmm. And I just keep on going back to the power of the sacraments. Like I was thinking to myself, like all through Lent and the the season, I was back in daily mass and then May happened. And let's just say May happened. And our (laughs) schedule was crazy. I was traveling, Chris was traveling, things were just topsy-turvy. And then now I'm back into the rhythm again because I don't have to get kids off to school back at daily mass. And there's something about that. There's something about just following that rhythm and being in the rhythm of the church that starts to bring revival in my own life. Therefore, then I can, it almost is like the Eucharist feeds me to be able to have eyes to see other people's beauty and diversity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like I need that bread to therefore be able to be grafted into the church to see others and their gifts. Because when I'm out of rhythm with the church, I think for me, I can just get like, oh, that's different. That's different. Oh, I don't like that. Or I can get very, like, I'm in my own silo. Like, let me just Mm -hmm. be my own little silo in my own little place and have my own little opinions and stuff like that. I don't know. What do y'all think about that? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's very true. And I think it becomes very individualistic and consumeristic. Yes. It's all about me and what can you do for me? And I didn't get it. I I, I quote unquote, didn't get anything out of that. And I mean, I, I, I understand different levels of just our understandings. I get that. I'm not saying that the the church is not responsible for obviously giving us the Eucharist and uh, for us to be able to receive the Lord there. But I think it's so easy for us to become very consumeristic and disintegrated. And we talk about Eucharistic revival, and that doesn't happen through us just kind of saying it or kind of conjuring up some sort of you know temporary fervor, but allowing ourselves to go more deeply in communion, which is exactly what the encyclical or the apostolic exhortation is calling us to of, of where is my prayer? Cause there's no, there's no way around that. 
there's no way of getting around that. And how are we supposed to have a Eucharistic revival as a church if each individual person is not willing to allow the Lord to become once again Lord of the life and fall in love with Jesus and allow him to be the center of everything? And that's that's how everything else flows. Otherwise, it'll be disintegrated and out of order, kind of what you both are saying in, in your own particular way. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of that quote about the man in the arena. Like it's easier mm-hmm. to just sit the stands and like make comments. And, and we can do that as people, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, ah, oh, the music's horrible and the priest this and and this this and these people and and all that stuff and there might be some genuine things that need to be sure. resolved within the church but I think what what this document is sort of pressing into is we all need to participate in what you guys are mm-hmm. saying like a Eucharistic revival we all need to participate and and how can we yeah again like bring an entire community not even just ourselves mm-hmm. into a deep love of Jesus like yes we need to tend to our own hearts and our own souls but but what about all of those people? around us. And I'm, I'm saying this speaking from a place of like, I experience a lot of pain when I go to mass here in my local Mm -hmm. area, because it's very hard. It's very, very dry. Like often all of the external things that, that draw your senses in aren't, Mm -hmm. aren't, aren't great. You know, I'm just being very frank. And so I, I just, I'm saying that because I know there's a lot of people in the same situation. But how do we still like pour our gifts in and not just sit back idly looking at what's wrong and allowing those seeds of discontent to turn Mm -hmm. into disappointment, division, Mm -hmm. and then separation. I think the enemy can just take those things and twist it really fast instead of us saying, hey, maybe we all need to come together. It's not just the priest's job. It's not just the people who are in ministry's job, it's the entire community to open wide the door to the Holy Spirit and to pray for revival within Mm -hmm. their communities, you know? Only the Spirit can do that. Like we can put our hands like into the vineyard and into the dirt, but we also need to pray for Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit to come and bring revival. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things I love that they highlight in this chapter is about the talk about charisms, that we each have charisms and gifts, which goes back to the episode that we did with Jill. And I think discovering what your charism and gift is to the body and to the church, and some of those gifts and charisms may be displayed in the walls of the church, and some may not. Like going back to the first chapter, they you know they need to go out to the world and be salt and light. But to really to hone in and to say, okay, Holy Spirit, where do I need to be pouring my gifts out to like display to a hurting world to build the kingdom of God. Like, where is it? You know, and really pinpoint those and allow him to show you like, right, this is where I need to go into the vineyard, you know, and it's identifying that because I agree with Heather is so easy. And I mean, shoot, all of us do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they need to be doing this. They need to be doing that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is, I mean, Mm -hmm. did you hear this? Like this, I mean, it's so easy. It's harder to really pray and it's harder to invest and like answer the call and invest in the invitation that the Holy Spirit is extending each and every one of us. Something I've been praying for is hunger. Amen. Mm-hmm. Because I think like hunger in myself, like a deeper hunger, but also hunger for people within our community here. I was listening to somebody talking about she's uh, ministering in Mozambique and she was just saying like we just have a patch of dirt <laughs> that's that's where we have church and, and sometimes we have a tree which is really great because we need the shade and I was just I was listening to her I was like oh my gosh mm-hmm. oh my goodness like whoa do we expect so much and make it so complicated and expect so many things to be met within our own hearts when the, there's people in other parts of the world who are just desperate for Jesus mm-hmm. and I'm like oh lord like give me a hunger like mm-hmm. that again Mm-hmm. And, and for our community as well. 
Well, and when number 20 says the very things that you all are sharing so beautifully, it says, by the power of the gospel, Jesus makes the church grow, perpetually renews her, and leads her to perfect union with her spouse. The spirit and the bride both say to the Lord, Jesus, come. And then it says, church communion then is a gift, a great gift of the Holy Spirit to be gratefully accepted by the lay faithful, and at the same time to be led with a deep sense of responsibility. And that is a gift. That's a gift we can pray for. That's something that we don't have to conjure up, like we said, or make happen ourselves or define it for ourselves, but really is a gift. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so you know, we talked about just different movements, even in the larger body of Christ in different Christian churches that were having revival, that were very, you know, the national news even picked it up. And, and the leaders of that church saying, we prayed for years, like we prayed for years. And so I'm wondering, as we as a Catholic church, are we praying for communion? Are we asking the Lord every day, Lord, bring us bring us to communion, like bring us the truth, bring us the power of the Holy Spirit, bring us communion. Like, what are we fasting for? What are we praying for? Because those things, those things make a huge difference. That's mm-hmm. that's the difference of our hearts. That's the difference of intention and what our hearts are longing for. And the Lord loves to give us the, the deepest longings of our heart because the deepest ones are from Him, the very deepest places. Mm, amen. You're touching on something beautiful too about the gift of intercession, that that's Mm -hmm. certain. Some people have a specific charism. All of us need to be interceding and praying, but some people have a specific charism for that. And that might be the gift that the Lord is asking you to bring to the church. You might be thinking, well, I'm, I'm older or I'm not out there or I'm stuck at home for whatever reason, or I have a various like small life. I don't have a lot of money, whatever it might be that you might be thinking, maybe the Lord has given you this incredible gift of intercession because it's no small thing. Mm -mm. I mean, that's, that's power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've had young people ask me or young adults for me said like, when did you learn how to really start diving deeper into contemplative prayer and really learn intercession. And I tell Mm. them, I learned when I was up with babies in the middle of the night, Mm. feeding children in the middle of the night, because this is before cell phones, people. That's how old (laughs) we are. So you couldn't scroll or anything like that. Yeah. But like I would get up in the middle of the night and that's what I would do as I would pray, you know, because I'd be rocking babies to sleep. And that's when I really learned how to pray. And it's beautiful. like we say, the Holy Spirit is the master of the interior life like that. Mm-hmm. He's the one that teaches. But I really felt like he was teaching me how to pray in those moments and really learn. And it didn't make sense in the natural because I was exhausted. But <laughs> it did in the supernatural because the Holy Spirit extended an invitation and took him up on it in that way. In my very weak sleep deprived state. So there you go. That's beautiful. Yeah. It tells us that it's like pray without ceasing at all times that we can Mm -hmm. do that. Even like you said, Michelle, you're exhausted or I'm sure Heather, you've had the same experience being up in the middle of the night with littles and, and all of us in our own life have turned to the Lord in places where we didn't think were possible. We're just like, all right, Lord, come here, come, come revive us here. And I, I appreciate also what the particular, the document is talking about the area of the parish, number 26. And it talks about just, it's the parish isn't just kind of like a, a place to go, but it's really like a home. And at number 26, it says, the ecclesial community, while always having a universal dimension, finds its most immediate and visible expression in the parish. It is there that the church is seen locally. In a certain sense, it is the church living in the midst of the homes of her sons and daughters. I love that. And you just think for a second of what it would really, what it, you, you just think of like old ethnic parishes of how, you know, you know, Italians went here and like the Polish went here, but there's something about home. And I just imagine if our parishes, just think of whatever parish you belong to, if that was really a home where mm-hmm. life happened, not just I went to mass and then ran out to the car afterward, but like where life really happened where, oh yeah, let's, you know, moms meet here and the dads and the children and we have lunches and we have life here and we, 
I just imagine it's like the town square. It's like the town mm -hmm. square is the parish and this is where life happens. And what a profound transformation that would be in our churches. Mm, I agree. I agree. And it's a place of celebration where you see it as a home because it celebrates the highlights of your everyday mm -hmm. life. It's where the baptisms and the marriages and all, the feast days and all that takes place. So it becomes like central. And for a majority of people, that is not their experience. We hate mm -hmm. to say it, that is not their experience. So what does it look like to form a parish into a home? Mm -hmm. How do you make your local parish feel like a home? And mm -hmm. I don't have the answers or a blueprint or anything like that, but I have, we have to, this is where it goes back to what Heather was saying, intercessory prayer. Ask the Lord, seek the Lord, ask Him. And it tells us in scriptures, you know, seek and ask and He will provide. So seek and ask. Like not, and I know I'm so guilty of this, not complain about it, not wish it, but actually take it to prayer and seek and ask. That's so good. And I think that's too, like, I mean, the parish should feel, should have a familial feeling to it, a familial bond amongst the community. And that's why there can be so much pain when disunity comes in, when yeah. diversity isn't seen in that complementarity lens. And so I, I think we just need to be really careful. The enemy loves disunity, loves mm -hmm. it. Like he just has a heyday with it. Gossiping, all those things that just seem like, well, I have a right to do this and I'm just venting or, or however we might yeah. try to veil that. But what the enemy can do is turn it into a place of pain instead mm -hmm. of a place of communion and love. And so, yeah, just what's on my mind a little bit is like, how can we how can we participate in the healing and restoration of our parish communities so that they have that family, that familial bond, which that is the heart of God. Mm -hmm. He is a family of life and love. We're made in his image and it's supposed to be imaged in all of these places. Mm -hmm. And I love it when it goes, it talks about the criteria of ecclesiastity and talk about lay groups. And I was just thinking like, we partner with some amazing ministries, women's ministries and other ministries that are doing this, like Walking with Purpose, like Blessed is She, like Endow. There's a couple of them. There's amazing ministries like uh, Divine Renovation, Amazing Parish. There are things out there like that are beautiful groups that are already doing this kind of ministry and ministry work. So it's like we don't have to recreate the wheel. We just have to be open to where the Holy Spirit is highlighting something for us to bring into our local mm -hmm. parish that fits a need that we need. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts, sister? I was just going to talk about that very section also, because it's not just about starting church groups that when it talks about criteria for ecclesiality, of what are the hallmarks of an authentic group really formed out of the parish? Or it says having a clear and definite criteria for discerning and recognizing such lay groups. And I mean, maybe if you belong to a lay group, you could just kind of test and see if this is something that the church is asking. So it talks about the primacy given to the call of every Christian to holiness, the responsibility of professing the Catholic faith, the witness to a strong and authentic communion, and conformity to and participation in the church's apostolic goals, and a commitment to a presence in human society. And there's some really great stuff in each one of those of looking at like, well, is this really what we're about? Is it about mm -hmm. my own personal interest or this, is this really what we're about? Is it really about bringing Jesus Christ to the nations? Cause that's what we're called to do. And then I love how it goes on number 31 to astutely talk about the pastors and service of communion. And it just mm -hmm. talks about the delicate cause we've all been on both sides of that, of maybe a pastor not being too welcoming or just being um, not understanding or a lay group really giving the pastor a hard time. So I, I appreciate, and these are all delicate things. I just appreciate the, 
the opening of that door and saying, all right, we know this happens. If we could, is there a way we could really try to work together to really allow the Holy Spirit to come in and birth something new in the church? And so I, I just appreciate that honesty because I know that's not easy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was having this really interesting conversation with my oldest daughter, Maria. She's 20. And there's this is really fun when you have older kids, don't you think, Michelle? Oh, I agree. Like yeah. just being at a stage where they, they mm-hmm. have their own thoughts and opinions about things. Like the Lord is speaking to them, you know, if they have a prayer life. And so we just, we were just spending the day together. She's about to leave for Michigan tomorrow to spend the year there with the Herbex and working at Be Love Revolution. And we spent the whole day just shopping and hanging out and having a girl day together. And it was really sweet. And one thing we were talking about vocation of women and all this kind of stuff. And, and she said, she was talking about her word of the year, which isn't just one word, but it was uh, dreaming the dreams of my father was mm. what she said. And it, I was like, that is so beautiful. And it's a line from a song. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, you know, like this is what I've seen in apostolates. People are receiving the dreams of the Father mm-hmm. and they're bringing their gifts into the world, into the darkness, into the church even. And, and I and I just, it was just a reframe of it in such a beautiful way. And I was like, Lord, help us to dream your dreams. Mm, that's like good. for the church, which, which his dream is what he said, go make disciples of all nations. He mm-hmm. wants everyone to know who he is, to experience his life and love, his mercy, redemption salvation, all of that. And so I was like, wow, Lord, what other dreams might you have in mm. store for people? Like, and I'm thinking about you who are listening right now. What, mm-hmm. what dreams does the father have that he wants you to dream with him about? Maybe it's to participate in a lay movement. Maybe it's to start one. I mean, who knows? Mm. Maybe it's to be a deep intercessor. I think it's a beautiful question to ask. Mm, I think it's gorgeous to ask. And I love the way that's reframed. Like Mm -hmm. I love because it's such an invitation from the father that he has something more for each and every one of us. It allows you to feel the heart of the father. Like what is his dream on earth as it is in heaven? That's what he's asking on earth as it is in heaven. If I were God, I would probably chose another way to work work through things than (laughs) us. But you know, he's God and I'm not. So, you know, but like, (laughs) oh, that we get to co-create and partner with him and be at home in the Trinity. What a beautiful reality that we get to experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think all of that culminates in the last paragraph of this section And it says, thus, the life of church communion will become a sign for all the world and a compelling force that will lead persons to faith in Christ, that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. In such a way, communion leads to mission and mission itself leads to communion. And amen to that. John Paul II. Amen, amen. Yeah, we, we talk about that, you know, mission always flows from relationship and, and mission leads to relationship if it's true, authentic mission and communion. So, so yeah, friends, just some more food for thought. And maybe these are things you've never read before, things you haven't thought about in this way. This, this is such great stuff. And so I hope it opens up continued conversations with your friends and just kind of what's, what's on your heart in those regards. So any last words, dear friends? No. That's good. That's good. Yeah, good place yeah. to stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, um, what is your one thing for the week? Would you guys say, what would you like to offer to your listeners? Heather, you go first. Okay. I have two again. One is last night, our friend Laura Ann Smith came over and did family photos for us. And the last time we had done that, I think was like 2015 or something. It was like eight years ago. So she is so good. Like it was like, 
it was such a blessing to our family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad had a couple strokes like in the summer last year. And so we've wanted to do this for a little while. We want to capture like the whole family together before anything else happens. You know, like those things are kind of an awakening, like, oh my gosh, like we need to, yeah, just have these special moments captured. And so she did just that. And I, mm-hmm. I was just so grateful for her and for that gift. And yeah. So anyway, shout out to Laura. And if you're looking for a great photographer, she does amazing wedding photography. You can check out her website, laura-ann.ca. And she travels anywhere. She's just the best. And I just loved her presence. She know, she knew everybody's name. She was just so sweet with like mm. the young, the old. It was awesome. The next one is, there's a beautiful song I just came across yesterday and it's called Pure. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> it's uh, Abby Gamboa it. from yes. Upper Room. And it's such a sweet song. I oh just my gosh. was listening to it in tears yesterday. It was so good. Me too, Heather. I just, mm-hmm. oh, I love that song. How about you? My one thing is lavender lemonade. Ooh. We like that is like our new treat. Hey. Yeah. And I actually made lavender lemonade cupcakes also oh, for a baby shower. And so, which was like a misstep because the bakery that I'd ordered got the date wrong. And so I was under dress and add a make them at the night before really late. Anyway, they turned out really Mm. great. And actually they're gluten-free and dairy-free, which was even a a bigger kick, but I'll send both recipes, but lavender lemonade and lavender lemonade cupcakes. It just, I don't know. It just screams summertime to me, you know, and it just is like delightful. It is. It just like brings it up a notch. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I'll put the recipe in the show notes. What about you, sister? My one thing for the week is a podcast. I love listening to podcasts and I've been recently listening to Father Gregory Pine and his sidekicks on the God Splaining podcast. So if you want to listen to a bunch of really intelligent Dominicans explain, explain exactly. a lot of great stuff, exactly. I would highly recommend. They have great guests on. They're just fun. They're funny too. So I think they're just great. So the God Splaining podcast by the Dominicans. Um, I think Those you'll enjoy Dominicans, it, so. they're a smart bunch them. All right, dear friends, well, we will see you next week and continue on our journey of our apostolic exhortation. So until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend and leave us a review? We encourage you to head over to our website, abidingtogetherpodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, links to our one things, group discussion questions for each episode, and beautiful coffee mugs, t-shirts, journals, and prints in our shop. There you can also subscribe to receive our weekly email with links to each new episode and all of the content. We'd love to connect on social media and invite you to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so you can catch inspiring reflections every day. You're also welcome to join our private Facebook group and dive deeper into discussions with our fellow listeners. If the podcast has blessed you, would you prayerfully consider financially supporting us? The Body Together podcast is only available due to the generous support of our listeners. There are significant costs associated with creating this content, such as tech support, design, website, equipment, and hired staff that we need to be able to continue offering great content. Abiding Together is a nonprofit 501c3, and all donations are tax deductible. You can make donations of any amount through the Patreon website, or you can send us a check directly if that's easier for you. If you donate $15 or more per month on our Patreon page, you become a Tribe member, and you will receive bonus content every month such as recipes, music playlists, downloadable prints, and more. You can find all the information at patreon.com slash abidingtogetherpodcast. 
Thank you so much and God bless you.